You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be a driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. Welcome back to this week. It's a solo episode. I wanted to record this episode to really reflect what's been going on this week. I'm recording this solo episode and today Dante Wright was buried. It's uh, two days after George Floyd's family finally received what I'm going to call partial justice, you know, because let's be real, George Floyd is dead, you know. He can't come back. And it's two days after Makia Bryant was shot and killed. Also, it's a week after Adam Toledo was shot and killed by the police as well. So I think I've said before that I do not watch any of these videos. I absolutely refuse to be a voyeur of the murders of black people, of my people. But what I do know is that their deaths was wrong, was senseless, and that we are witnessing our black and brown children being killed, you know? And I just like, I mean, I physically, as I said, don't watch it. I can't watch it. I refuse to watch it because I think, and other things, I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. I'm clear about that, so... Once I watch it, I can't not see that play out again and again in my mind. And I think, you know, if you want to manage any experience of trauma, then I would advise you to maybe take that tack. The other is, I don't want to get to a place where I could be desensitized and not respond appropriately to what is happening. And I actually think with these videos as they float around on social media and people watch them and people show them in in sessions and stuff like that which I find horrendous but I know it's happening that people can get desensitized to it just like the times when you start showing war then you can get desensitized to war when you start showing you know the bodies coming back from war you can get desensitized and it's just like oh look that's just another no I think it's important we don't get desensitized to this so This week, I want to talk about the experience as all of these things come up week after week. We really don't catch a break. Whilst, you know, there's been a lot of talk about trauma and it is re-traumatizing. We re-traumatize every time we watch it again or every time we engage in the conversation and the debates about race and racism and how it impacts us we are re-traumatized but I want to talk about this week is yes it's trauma but it's also grief and every time my orientate my stance is every single time we hear the killing and the death of another black or brown person at the hands of the police, the senseless killing at the hands of the police, we experience grief and we experience loss. 
We are grieving as a black and brown community. We are grieving as black and brown women. So, and I want you to remember that grieving, grief is exhausting itself. As you know, if you're a listener who has followed me from the beginning, you know that I, my father passed away in 2009 and my mother passed away in 2018. I've had other losses in my life as well, but those are very profound losses. And one of the predominant feelings during those, that the initial grieving process is fatigue, is exhaustion. And the truth is, this is my experience. I know it's common for a number of people, but it may not be everyone's experience. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I didn't feel exhausted. Well, I'm just sharing my experience that the exhaustion in the, in those days when I was really in the midst of the, of the grief, when it had gripped me, when the grief had gripped me, it's like, I didn't even need to be doing anything that day. And in fact, in those, there were some days I literally didn't do anything other than sit on the sofa and stare out the window, you know, so I wasn't, physically doing anything but I was exhausted because grief is exhausting it's so emotional and it's so exhausting so that's real and it's normal in the griefing process so when I hear us say I'm exhausted I'm tired you know there is the kind of like I'm sick and tired of this cycle that we are in but there's also like when we are in grief when we are grieving, that is also exhausting. I'm going to walk you through grief, a conversation around grief and grieving. I kind of had the insight myself that we are grieving, but we never complete the grieving cycle. We never get to a place in that cycle of grief when it comes to the continuous murder of black and brown people, because it's happened so frequently there's no, there is no rest. There is no settling. So, you know, Dante Wright, and it was just three days later, I think there was Adam Toledo. And then everyone is like following the trial and then the trial results come out. And at, almost a, at the same time, you have Makaya, is it Makaya or Makia? Brian is murdered (laughs) so we don't catch a break and that means that it's compounded grief it's compounded grief so I want us to talk about that because I think if we look at grief as our way of as a lens to assess and evaluate how we're doing then we might be able to adopt some of the approaches to dealing with grief in this moment to help us as we cycle. I wouldn't even say cycle in and out because we don't ever seem to get out. (laughs) We just keep going and keep returning to new cycles of grief as, as the losses and they get compounded, as I said. So, you know, if we look up grief and loss. One of the things they say about grief is grief is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. Often the pain of loss can feel overwhelming. You may experience all kinds of difficult and unexpected emotions from shock or anger to disbelief to guilt and profound sadness. The pain of grief can also disrupt your physical health, 
making it difficult to sleep, eat, or even think straight. These are normal reactions to loss. And the more significant the loss, the more intense your grief will be. Let's see if we can, we're going to apply that to how you might be um, feeling right now. So when I read that, so this is a help, a help guide on helpguide.org on grief. So in, in terms of doing that, and let's look at that and applying it to our own experiences of the constant experience of racism and race, and particularly the experience of death through the killings of black people at the hands of the police or at the hands of, of hate crimes as well. When we talk about the grieving process, one of the things about grieving is, is that is that, you know, it is in some respects a way of healing. You know, when you when you deal with loss, grief is your if you allow yourself to go through the grieving process, it is your access to healing the wound that is left when you have lost someone or something really significant in your life. And grief has to take its time. It takes its own time and it it can't be forced. It can't be hurried. It has to, there's no normal time frame for grieving. You just have to allow it to be. So we experience a grieving process very differently and in the normal way of grieving, if you like, if there's a normal way, it, you know, it can be measured in, in months, but it can be measured in years. So it has its time, right? But as I was saying earlier, the thing is about this experience of grief and compounded grief and collective grief that we are experiencing is that it feels like we never get to the arc, the full healing arc. We never get to get into a settling effect. So, you know, so if I think about my mom, you know, in 2018, it was just like, I couldn't uh, so soon after she died and up to yeah, year and a half. And I just, it was right there and it, it, it wouldn't leave me. It was, it was my constant companion. It would, it would accompany me wherever I went and then it would show itself in surprising ways sometimes. And when I'd least expected it, where I just felt like I, I, I you know, I'd, I'd lose my, my energy. I'd lose my breath. I'd lose my kind of sight. I just had this uh, overwhelming experience the grief that I have and I have right now doesn't live in that way. It lives differently now with mum and the same with dad, which has been longer. So the grief is still present, but it lives differently. When we talk about grief as a result of racism and about the, the killings, because we they are frequent. And I think this the different p- people the range of people, the ages, the youth as well, it really gets me, the young, the children get me um, even more. And maybe that's because I'm a mum with my children and I think about that and not because maybe it is. As one of the key things is there's no end point. We don't have a sense of an end point. We don't get a sense where we'll be able to di- distance ourselves enough from the experience before another incident occurs and whether that's one that occurs more broadly or whether that comes an experience of race and racism 
that occurs in our own life in a in a significant way and then there's another kind of which which kind of triggers the grief again so if you're feeling tired if you're feeling exhausted if you're feeling like is this ever going to end is that is where in we are trapped inside of this cycle of trauma but we're trapped trapped inside of this cycle of grief and unless we're being proactive about it we will continue to be in that there's some myths about grief and grieving that I think are relevant to this moment as well that I wanted to address. One of the myths is the pain will go away faster if you ignore it. That's a myth that is told, you know, if you just get, you know, so when people, are, if you just get on with your life, then it won't feel so painful. And the thing is, if you try to ignore your pain or keep it from surfacing, it, you know, that myth, the myth is that it will go away. But if you ignore it, you, you try not to confront it. You try not to keep it from arising. In the long run, it will get you in the behind because real healing requires you to face your grief and requires you to actively deal with it. If we pretend that all this stuff that's happening isn't impacting us like deeply or, it, or, the, or the fact that what we do is, you know, we, we are required to show up to work and continue to work almost as if none of that stuff is happening and impacting us. Like that's an expectation. And in fact, to engage in conversations, and I know it's just really hard because I have also invited those conversations in the work environment because of the work that I do. But I also understand how how, how hard it is for black people and brown people to to actually engage in those conversations. So, but if we ignore the pain that's that's present it then we can't help ourselves in the pain that we're experiencing so so that's myth number one which I think is important myth number two that it's important to be strong in the face of loss people will say to people who are dealing with loss it's like oh you know be strong you know you'll get through it and we say that as a community we we're strong we we lean on our our as black women the myth of the it's not a myth because we live, it's the stereotype of which we buy into and we, we adopt the superwoman, the black woman, the black superwoman. You know, if you be strong, you'll get through it. The problem with that is feeling sad, feeling frightened, feeling lonely is normal. And crying doesn't mean you're weak. Crying is a release. Crying is engaging in the grief. And if you try and put on a brave front all the time and you're not showing your true feelings to someone then you it is going to again let me just say bite you in the ass I think this is important because as I said there's an expectation that all of this is going on and we carry on as normal that we show up and we show out and sometimes we just can't show up and show out and and we shouldn't always just show up and show out when we are dealing with this member compounded grief and collective grief together. The other myth is, or no, there's a number of myths around grief, but the other myth that I think is relevant here is moving on with your life means forgetting about your loss. Moving on means you've accepted your loss, you know, but it doesn't mean that you're forgetting. So the fact that we return to our lives doesn't mean we will forget those people and what I think is so beautiful is the, the the different ways that we that's been developed to memorialize 
the people who have been killed, the people who have been murdered, you know, the say your, say her name, say his name, hashtag is a way of us acknowledging and memorializing them. The images with the flowers is a way of memorializing them. The murals around is a way, the memorials with all with the names, the articles, the conversations is a way of keeping, keeping them present for us whilst at the same time never forgetting and never you know really never forgetting so we continue with our lives but we bring them with us we carry them with us because that's a way of managing and dealing with with grief so how do we deal with the grieving process as these incidences come up because unfortunately what we do know is it will come again because the system refuses to do its work to transform what's happening. And I say refuses because we know what it looks like when you want, the system wants change, when it, when they, it deems it important enough to pause, like the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was paused for six blood clots Rightly so, it needs to be looked at. Absolutely. We need to trust the vaccine. Absolutely. We need to make sure that it's safe. Absolutely. So we need to stop, pause, check it in, check, and then see what's going on. But there is no pause in the police. There is no stop. There is no that there isn't that dramatic intervention. So we what we do know is unfortunately it's gonna happen again and when it happens again we know we experience the loss again now why do we experience the loss because those particularly those children I can't tell you how much the last two weeks has been even heavier than before heavier because I could I could have mothered all of those babies remember they're babies to the mother I kind of mothered all of those babies and their future has been stolen in a brutal way. And what it brings up is all the, that it could have been my niece or my nephew, my son or my daughter, my godchild, you know, my friends, kids. <laughs> so that that's right there. So we see our own in our own from our own lives reflected in them and we are them and we 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 sit with we sit with the mothers and the fathers of these children who have been slain we meet them there we meet them there and so it's really important as we acknowledge the grief that we are witnessing as well in others, that we are witnessing in the present, that we that we can experience in ourselves and acknowledge in ourselves. The first thing in how to deal with the grieving process is to acknowledge the pain that we have. It's acknowledging the pain is the number one thing. Don't ignore the pain. Don't pretend that it's not painful because it is. And so that's the first thing. We need to acknowledge the pain. And the second thing is, if we can accept that grief can trigger different emotions, in in us can trigger unexpected emotions in us so there are times when you know with Dante 
I just couldn't stop crying. I just couldn't stop crying. I woke up and there's tears in my eyes. I'm going for a walk and there's tears. I am crying and I'm crying. And I know, you know, Dante, I look at him and I see that's my son, you know, like, (laughs) you know, older, of course, he's 20. My son's 13. But that's kind of was really present for me. And the youth in him, I just, there was something about that one. And maybe because who knows? Okay. There's so much, but we don't know. So it, it, the, it, the grief can trigger many, many different and unexpected emotions and they come up and they can come up in waves and to allow the wave of grief to, to rise and fall as it, as it comes. And to understand that the grief in process will be unique to you. So I don't expect the person next to me to respond to what's happening in the same way. I don't want to judge it. I don't want to, I don't want to put things on people and what they should and shouldn't do. But I want to acknowledge that it's present. The fact that it doesn't look the way it does for me doesn't mean it's not there. So I feel like sometimes we can judge each other. And I think um, we need to support each other in these times. I wonder about how well we're doing with reaching out for support and care, um, reaching out for for making sure that we're not sitting in our own space, dealing with these responses. The social media, whilst on one hand can be really great because you find people who are aligned, the other side is lots of nonsense on on there which can be very triggering and so you know to seek out you know face-to-face support where possible and face-to-face might be virtual of course in this moment but to actively seek out support if you're struggling um, with this as we go through it in these moments okay the other thing um, I'd say support yourself emotionally and how you support yourself is you is to take care of yourself physically as well as spiritually, as well as like, so are you making sure that you're drinking enough water, that you're, you're eating food, right? Are you sleeping? I know that when I read a lot of stuff about this, or I watch different programs and the discussions of it, I don't watch the news on the TV deliberately because I know that I find that triggering for me if I do that too late, then I am not going to sleep. I have, so I'm actively managing my intake of the stories of the information because I know the impact it has on me because we are a member in a cycle of grief that never ends. We're in a cycle of grief that never ends and, and then it's compounded grief because it happens again and again and again as the new loss arises and it's also the collective grief because it's more than it's this like where there's a there's a whole community of people going through it and responding and the other thing is just to notice if you are feeling more than grief if you're feeling so down that to reach out for some professional help as well 
because it was also, of course, is our own individual experiences of racial trauma and racial ex- and racism, whether they be current experiences, current thing that we might be going through, significant ones that we've had in the past. We are always in the experience of race and racism. We are inside of the system, but there are it, mo- there are specific incidences that happen to us that are more significant than others. And so I think if that's happening, to think about, you know, whether it's getting to a point where it feels so overwhelming that you really need to get some help, get some um, support. You might have heard about Kubler, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who introduced the five stages of grief. And they were based on her studies as she she worked with different patients in and, and so she 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 this is to turned into and people then have started to use the Kubler-Ross curve as a change curve, which wasn't necessarily what it was designed for. But it does have aspects of that. But the five stages of grief that she came up with were denial that this can't be happening. Anger. Why is this happening? Bargaining. Make this not happen. And I will do acts. And then depression. I'm too sad to do anything. And acceptance. I'm at peace with what happened. Those are the five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I'm at peace with what happened. So if you can hear in those five stages, so let's apply it to what's happening where I talk about racial grief, the grief um, that we're experiencing, the collective grief and the compounded grief is so absolutely denial. This can't be happening again. This cannot be happening in 2021. This cannot be happening. Are we ever going to learn? This cannot be happening. Or we Are they ever going to learn? This cannot be happening. Why hasn't this stopped yet? You know, anger why is this happening well that's the why is in this top chair who is to blame like what is going on so the anger that is the second stage bargaining make this not happen what needs to happen in order for this to stop at which point does it become too egregious enough that there's going to be a significant enough intervention to stop the killings like how is how are we going to do this so that's bargaining depression I'm too sad to do anything and some days it's just like that I just feel overwhelmingly sad it's just like you feel like you like what am I doing today and you're so distracted that you look at your day and you think I literally haven't achieved anything I haven't achieved anything and the fifth stage is acceptance I'm at, at peace with what happened but the issue is we never get to acceptance we never get to acceptance I'm at peace with them brutally killing a 16-year-old girl. No, no. But then it's also because the next one comes thick and fast. There's another one. So whilst you may settle back into life in a different way where it's not so heightened, the cycle gets triggered again. It gets compounded again because another incident happens and there we are we're back in this can't be happening again we're back in why is this happening we're back in make this not happen anymore this has to not can we not do this anymore we're back in I'm too sad to to do anything and we never really get to a place where we can be in acceptance because it's unacceptable (laughs) number one but it's in terms of grief we don't we never have enough time for it to settle so it just compounds and so 
the need to look after ourselves is ever more important. The need to look after ourselves is ever more important because the sadness or the shock, the disbelief, the anger, and even what we haven't talked about, the fear that arises. One of the things about grief is, you know, it can trigger lots of feeling anxious or helpless or insecure or worried about our own safety, worried about our children's safety, worried about living in this country, worried about like, when will this end? Concern for so much, right? So much fear arises and is present as a result. And so when you recognize the grief, the collective grief and the compounded grief that we are feeling, then it's important to come back to the things that I shared with how to deal with grief. So I'm going to repeat those things is first is to acknowledge the pain that we're experiencing when something happens to accept that grief can trigger to acknowledge not even acknowledge that you can get triggered into different emotions and and be prepared for that. And so when you, if you wake up and this is like, why am I crying? It's just like, okay, I'm crying today. Today I'm crying. And tomorrow I may not be crying, but today I'm crying. The day before this is like, I, I can't even speak. There are days where I literally can't even speak. So that's important. Acknowledging the feelings, acknowledging the your experiences, getting support, face-to-face support, making sure that you're taking care of yourself physically, spiritually, you know, and acknowledging when it feels so overwhelming when to that you might need some professional support as well. You know, therapy is valuable 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 way of supporting yourself and an important way of supporting yourself as well as friends and family to support you as well to reach out to your network of people and then the third is of course there might be some groups um who are committed to this to change who you can be communities that you're a part of that you know that you can come together and just you know, just, just hang out together, you know, in these moments, just be together in these moments and just breathe and just breathe. Sometimes just sitting in stillness can allow us to calm ourselves down and bring us back to our center, you know, um, and just take moments of slowing it down and allowing us to tune in to what's actually happening with us. So sometimes that's something that I do. So I slow it down, tune in, and I check in to see what do I need? What do I need? So whilst all these murders of our black and brown sisters and brothers and fathers and mothers and children, sons and daughters is happening 
how we take care of ourselves in our grieving because it's grief that we're experiencing as well as trauma, a collective grief, a compounded grief that I, I urge you to find practices to take care of yourself. Well, that's the end of the podcast. I hope that you found it helpful. And, you know, generally as well, if you're going through grief with your own personal loss of people in your life as well, that perhaps this has also been helpful for you. But I I wanted to share that based on this week that we have had. And I'm sending all my love to each and every one of you. And I appreciate you and thank you so much for being a listener of She's Got Drive podcast. I would appreciate if you would do a couple of things. If you would share She's Got Drive with at least one person in your contacts. So you click on look at your contacts right now and think of one person who would love to um, listen to She's Got Drive and would benefit from She's Got Drive. And if you make sure that you subscribe to She's Got Drive, if you're not already subscribed, so you can, you can it will enter into your inbox automatically in your app, um, whichever app you listen to She's Got Drive on. And then the third thing is, if you could rate and review the show, if you go to iTunes, the, click, the link is in the show notes, and um, head over and review the show, I would appreciate that. It makes a big difference in the growth of the show. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. The music is by the awesome or female band Blonde. The song is called Circles. Until next time, go well and stay well. And thank you for listening.